1: Welcome to Polygamy, What Love Is This? I am your host, Doris Hanson, and we talk about Mormon polygamy on this show. And today's show, we are asking the question, why aren't they listening to the victims? But first, if you or or anyone that you know is uh, wanting to escape from polygamy, you can give us a call. We'll help you. Uh, you can go to the website shieldandrefuge.org or you can give us a call toll-free number eight seven seven four two five nine 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 three. And all that we talk about will be held in strict confidence. Also, if you have comments about our show, or if you'd like to be a guest on our show, you can email whatloveisthis.tv. That's email at whatloveisthis.tv. Or give us a call, 385-240-2888. And if you want to make a note on your calendar, I've been asked to speak at the Main Street Church in Brigham City on September 25th, starting at 10 p.m., or AM, excuse me. And um, if you'd like to come, we'd love to ha- meet you and talk with you. Or you can watch it live on the internet. Uh, you can just search Main Street Church, Brigham City, and then follow the links. And I look forward to seeing many of you there. And now I'd like to introduce our our returning co-host. Um, thanks, Doris. Our sitting co-host, <laughs> our, actually. <laughs> yes, yeah, a
0: sitting
1: co-host. Oh. I like that. <laughs> Earl Erskine, thanks again for my, sharing in our pleasure. program. My pleasure. Yeah. You know, a rally was held at the Utah State Capitol before the 2016 Utah State Legislature adjourned this year's session. The rally included pro-polygamists and anti-polygamists because they were wanting to their voices to be heard for the recriminalizing bill of polygamy that was up in the legislature. After and of course the pro polygamists were there to to Mm -hmm. to voice their their um, their against the bill and the anti polygamists were there uh, to support the bill every single news article that I watched whether it was television or on the internet or whatever what except one every single one except one reported on the pro polygamists but not the anti-polygamists they did not get equal attention or equal coverage now obviously I didn't see every single news article that was impossible but everyone I saw except one did not cover the anti-po- uh, anti-polygamists they covered the pro polygamists now I couldn't help but wonder why our media and our politicians are so unequal focused on the polygamists and they barely acknowledge the people that polygamists have victimized. Why aren't the victims' voices and their stories given equal treatment in the news and in the politicians' conversations? In fact, I was told by one former victim who was there at the rally that whenever she wanted to say something, (laughs) The pro-polygamists would crowd around her and they would encircle her and mock her and speak loudly so that her voice couldn't be heard. The media didn't report that. And that bothered me so much, I thought it was time to do a series entitled, Why Don't They Listen? to the victims and this is part one. It seems that the pro-polygamists are getting the limelight and the victims rarely receive equal coverage or concern. So we're going to present some experiences of the victims and ask the question why aren't they listening to the victims and we're going to begin at the beginning of Mormon polygamy quoting from the victims own stories, their testimonies of polygamy and the atrocious treatment that they received and we're going to begin with fourteen-year-old Helen Mar Kimball and this is what she confided to a close friend in Nauvoo about her plural marriage to Joseph Smith.
0: <laughs> I would never have been sealed to Joseph had I known it was anything more than a ceremony. I was young and they deceived me by saying the salvation of our whole family depended on it.
1: So Helen Marr Kimball <laughs> was a victim yep. She was a victim of polygamy many years ago. She said she was deceived. Her own words are, they deceived me. But then who's listening to the victims. From the beginning polygamous dogma has been and is submit to polygamy or else. There's no freedom of religion, there's no gender equality in polygamy and it seems no one listens to the victims. Sarah Pratt was married to Orson Pratt when he was 57 years old. His polygamous eyes wandered to a 16 year old girl who became his tenth wife. Sarah was 51 years old and resentful that her husband married girls who were younger than their oldest daughter. Sarah Pratt said this,
0: Here was my husband, she said, gray-headed, taking to his bed young girls in mockery of marriage. Of course, there could be no joy for him in such an indulgence of his fanaticism, which I hesitate to mention.
1: (laughs) Sarah Pratt said, Polygamy is the direst curse a people or a nation could ever be afflicted. She said polygamy completely demoralizes good men and makes bad men worse. Sarah Pratt was a victim of polygamy and told her story, but who's listening to the victims? Tell It All, published by Fanny Stenhouse, in 1875, tells about the curse of polygamy and we want to quote from a conversation that she published in the book that she had with a friend named Mary.
0: Curse is a heavenly word to apply to such a system. There is nothing in hell so hateful, so vile, so detestable. It is blight and ruin to everything that is fair and good. I never pass a day, but I cursed with the bitterest hatred the man who devised it. Do you think that when they have ruined all their their hopes for time and for eternity, we shall love them still? But for this wretched system, I should have been a happy wife and mother, and now I see what I am, husband, child, all lost, all lost.
1: You can just hear the, 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 the sadness and, yeah. and the pain, the emptiness in her, beca- all yeah. because of polygamy. She also said the Mormon women... Of those days have not much to make them happy. Many Mormon polygamous women told their bitter stories of life in polygamy, but who's listening to the victims? Anne Eliza Young, former polygamous wife of Brigham Young, also published her story in the title uh, which is entitled 19th wife and it was published in 1875 and we quote this is a long quote but we quote something that she wrote about her experiences yeah
0: there were two sisters whose mother was married to a mr macdonald and when she gave herself to him it was with the express understanding that the daughters should be sealed him as soon as they were of proper age the little girls knew of the arrangement and used to talk about used to talk about it very openly of marrying pa Fancy her feelings knowing that she was bringing up her daughters as wives for her own husband. Hmm. Wives and mothers living outside of polygamy, can anything be more revolting? And yet horror-stricken as you are by them, they are by no means exceptional, but are a frequent occurrence, and it is in your own country that these outrages occur. Under your own government upheld by your own chosen legislators, and if your government and its rulers refuse to do anything to eradicate this foul blot of polygamy, they are encouraging its presence and rendering it daily more difficult of eradication.
1: How true her statement has proven to yeah. be. And it went on then and it's going on today. You just don't hear it in the news, that very same thing. And Mormon polygamy continues to rage today as it did then. Victims continue to cry out about the agony and the abuses and the inequality in polygamy. But who's listening to the victims? ex FLDS plural wife are going to move forward now several decades Mary Louise Mackert she wrote a book about her life in polygamy and her book is entitled The Sixth of Seven Wives. She tells her story of being forced into an arranged marriage at 17 years old to a man older than her father. Hmm. She testifies that religious doctrine and submission, not love, was the force in her marriage. And when Mary decided to escape her abusive polygamous situation and husband, he threatened her with blood atonement. He had her kidnapped while she was working her newspaper route, and then he isolated her, a terrorizing experience for any human to endure. In the epilogue of her book, Mary writes about her abduction.
0: It was 1985, a time when polygamy was ignored. Persecution, Prosecution became an exercise in futility. And In my case, either the prosecutor failed to present all the facts or the obvious criminal activity was ignored. A newspaper carrier has been abducted while delivering newspapers, but that was irrelevant. Polygamy is a felony, but neither the judge nor the prosecutor chose to identify my husband's criminal activity as a felony. The system has failed to protect, to protect and defend. Today, the same system betrays a selected segment of its citizenry. The children born in polygamous societies are denied the protection all other Utah citizens expect and receive.
1: Mary's points are well taken, and she goes on to point out that society has never accepted sex between adult and men and little girls, yet that's what goes on. But who steps forward to defend the innocent? Mary also writes this.
0: Young girls marry old men, Old men have sex and produce children to earn a heavenly home, and they call it religious freedom. These girls prostitute themselves, but the promise of heaven is a payment these men cannot deliver. They are stripped of their virginity in a loveless sex act and starved for affection. In the name of religion, they are continually raped and debased. If they knew to cry out, it would be in vain, for they live in a world that is deaf to their cry and blind to their pain.
1: Mary Mackert wrote it like it was, Mm. like it is. So why aren't the victim's stories valid? The incessant whining of pro-polygamists are heard, but not the horror experiences of the victims. Another ex-polygamist wife from the LeBaron polygamy group, Susan Schmidt, wrote a book entitled His Favorite Wife. And on page 299, she writes this. And notice, by the way, these are all from different groups. I know. These are, and, polygamy is the same in, in all of them. And there are people
0: that have been will, or been able to leave and then and want right to share story. their story. And mm-hmm. why aren't they listening? Like you say, why, they listening? why isn't this a TV show? Yeah. Nobody would add adver- for would advertising, be well. huh? <laughs> so Susan Schmidt writes, Was this day by day existence what I could expect for the rest of my life? We were supposed to be an army for the Lord, and yet babies, dirty diapers, back breaking work and never enough money to go around was the lot of a polygamist wife. All around me were poverty-stricken homes filled with lonely women and children living for the scattered moments when our husbands could find time for a hurried visit home.
1: And again, you and can see sad. the loneliness that's <laughs> yeah. going on there. Susan tells about her study of the Mormon scriptures to see if she could understand why God seemed to love his sons more than his daughters. She found numerous Mormon scriptures that bothered her exceedingly. And we quote from page 350 of her
0: book. According to this, God created woman for one purpose only, for the enjoyment of the men. Women were possessions just like cattle. We had no rights in and of ourselves. God created the world and the heavens above so that men could reign and the women were given to men as wombs to bear their children. The man could espouse as many virgins as his heart desired and be blessed by God and become a God himself. But a woman was allowed only the man to whom she was given. If she should be with another, she would be an adulteress and be destroyed.
1: It's interesting because there's so many scriptures that says God doesn't play favoritism, but the polygamy doctrine doesn't acknowledge that fact. Susan was bewildered when she finds these things in her studies. It was a difficult thing for her to believe about God. She assumed that if the doctrine and covenants were true, which it isn't, but if it were, she had come to the conclusion that God loved and valued his sons more than his daughters. Susan was shaking with emotion. She prayed and sobbed, asking God if this could be true. True. Aren't females just as valued to him as males? Why should a man deserve multiple women to love and care for him so that he's never lonely, and yet his wives are heartbroken and abandoned? Why should they raise children by themselves, and they barely know their own father? The men get to be gods, but their wives just their servants. How fair is that, she wondered. She asked God, Why did you bother to give women a heart and a mind and a brain and then prohibit them from using them? Well, God heard Susan's prayer and answered her questions. Polygamous doctrine is false. Susan got out of polygamy. She wrote her own book about her harrowing experiences in polygamy. But it seems no one wants to listen to the victims. Irene Spencer is the author of Shattered Dreams, telling her story in polygamy. Irene was the 13th of 31 children, hmm. and at 16 years old, she became the plural wife of Verlin LeBaron, who was, by the way, the same man Susan Schmidt was married to. Oh my. And he was the brother of Joel LeBaron, the leader of the LeBaron polygamy group. And on page 132, she writes, and we quote...
0: I tried hard to ignore the flirtatious smiles constantly passing between Verlin and Lucy. I had no right to be jealous. Verlin told me all along that Lucy planned on being his third wife. Besides, Verlin needed three praying wives to be more worthy of godhood, and I was to minister unto my husband. That meant it was my duty to court Lucy for him. I often muttered under my breath, I'll be damned if I will. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she had the spirit with her there, didn't she? The her. Doctrine and Covenants section 132 verse uh, 64 says that, quote, If any man have a wife, and he teaches her the law of the priesthood, which of course is polygamy, then she's supposed to believe it and minister unto him or she shall be destroyed. Irene said she didn't have to wait for God to destroy her because jealousy was beating him to it. Well, that's polygamy. Irene continues, and we quote.
0: On page 317, For years I lived on Verlin's broken promises. I believed that he basically wanted to fulfill his promises, but his responsibilities as a husband and father to so many just made it impossible. He didn't generally concern himself too much about whether he'd really be able to keep his promises. He just said what he needed to say and then tried his best to do what he said he would do. Well, his best got less with the addition of each wife and child. And,
1: of course, that would happen. That just makes sense. The resources of the man can only stand so much. And and he took many, many wives. We wonder if the people who say polygamy is okay for consenting as adults, I wonder if they understand that a man and woman together makes little babies together. You know, it's not about adults only. It never has been, and it isn't today. In the (coughs) epilogue of Irene's book, we read this.
0: During my first 21 years as Verlin's polygamist wife, I became the mother of 14 of his children. Oh my goodness. Mm. I shared my husband with nine other women and a total of 58 kids. We lived in utter poverty, laboring to raise our own food, make our own clothes, and build our own houses. And most of that time, we lived without electricity or indoor plumbing.
1: Isn't that awful? That is sad. That's awful. Uh, you know, uh, we suggest you read these books and you'll learn about polygamy. If you're pro polygamist, you'll end up being anti. At least you should. Another problem that most polygamists share is that they are told it is a great blessing to live in detestable poverty. Wow. We were told that all of our life. Well, We'd you get really? our rewards in heaven. We didn't need to worry about having them here. And it's an wow. upside down world, of course, that polygamists live in and they don't even know it. Like most polygamous wives, Irene lived with broken promises and shattered dreams, lots of children to raise alone. But then who is listening to the victims? Kristen Decker, another uh, lady from the Allred Polygamy Group, she wrote a book entitled 50 Years in Polygamy, Big Secrets and Little White Lies. Kristen tells about the harsh realities of being raised in a polygamy group and she reveals a lot about the crimes of sexual and other abuses that were perpetrated against young children by older men in the Allred Polygamy Group. She writes about a man named John Thomas. He was on their priesthood council and mm-hmm. a, member of a number of accusations came against him. We quote from chapter 29 of her book.
0: Rumor had it he had raped and molested some of his own children. It was said he'd done the same to others in the Allred Group's Mexican colony and elsewhere. His evil actions and control of others, under the guise of being a religious, holy man, had apparently been going on for more than 20 years.
1: It's awful. And, yeah. and I think what, I, uh, what we see in all of this, too, of course, is polygamy is very religious very, oh, very religious. Yeah. Yeah. And, they, and they believe God is in this, right. all of it. They believe God commanded it and God is in it. And so when a man rapes little girls, what what and is they, that person going to think of, of God? God? Yeah, yeah, they do in the name of God. And we're going to do more on the next show right. about that, too. Yeah. And and what do these people do when they leave polygamy? They They leave God. They hate God. Yeah, because all of this is this. done in all this. And, and after one particular rape uh, of a little girl that she writes about in her book. He was finished with the deed and he pointed to the little girl to a knife that he had laid beside the bed. And he warned her as he pointed to the knife, You will be killed if you ever tell a soul. You can read about this on page 176. Mm -hmm. Kristen writes about how sickened and shocked that she was that a man of the priesthood, a leader. Could be uh, so violent and do such horrible things against little children? Why would the priesthood leaders have called him to the priesthood? Didn't God know what he was doing? That's a good question. On page 177 Kristen is asking these very important questions.
0: Why would God ever call vile abusers to be his chosen people's leaders? You believe these, those leaders were called in the name of God, right? And all of you, including the council members, upheld, defended, sustained, and harbored those two evil men? And believe me, I know that there are still more perverts in the group yet to be discovered.
1: And that's what Kristen is saying about yeah. it. And, and the questions are right. If this man was a priesthood holder and they called him to the priesthood, didn't God know what kind of a man he was? So was God in it or not? Obviously, God wasn't in it at all because God doesn't do these kinds of things. Kristen wrote about other events in the polygamy group.
0: From the pulpit, we heard all sorts of promises and blessings of a glorious salvation, of more plural wives for those who paid their tithing, for those who were laundering money, misusing tithing funds, trading daughters marrying relatives for those who are producing too many babies and taking more wives than they could support in any sense of the word, for those who are bypassing their financially and fatherly duties, for those who have been sheltered for eons under the auspices of religious piety. Gee.
1: Yeah. Kristen Decker has now currently an even louder voice than she did when she wrote this book. She is the founder and the director of Sound Choices Coalition, and she is fighting to keep polygamy legal, illegal and to eradicate it from American society. But it seems people aren't listening to the victims. No,
0: no shows about that.
1: <laughs> no shows about that, that's right. Um, and and of course you won't get any of this on with the the sister wives program that no. that has been uh, pulling the wool over the eyes of the people for so many years I with their think, program. I don't
0: suppose they ever even reference these people that have left polygamy or no. experienced written oh, books no. and so on, and on.
1: No, in fact, there was a meeting in Las Vegas where um, some some victims. Uh, in fact, I think Kristen was there and Colleen Snow from the Kingston Group and some others were there and. Uh, they were talking about the abuses because they had some of them that were there had been abused. And on the sister wives side they said, Well we don't abuse, we don't know anything about that kind of abuse. Yeah. Yes they do if they read a book, if they if you know, but nobody listens yeah. to the victims. Staying, they ignore staying
0: them. Staying ignorant. Staying ignorant by ignorant, choice, yeah. yeah.
1: They ignore the victims. And uh, we have our last quote is is uh, from Keziah May Hancock. Of course, she's been on our show, and Mary Mackert has, and Kristen has. uh, Many of these people have been on our show in the past. But Keziah wrote a book... Entitled Prisons of the Mind. And in the flyleaf of her book, uh, Chris of Keziah's book, it says, uh, describing the book, it says, this is a powerful story of an unscrupulous man using religious compulsion in the extreme to subject and exploit other human beings for his own personal gain. We quote what one polygamous man said to Keziah about his opinion of females.
0: Very Christian here.
1: Very. <laughs>
0: women are a dime a dozen. The only thing that makes them of any value is if they can be obedient. If a man never required anything of his women, he would he would be held responsible for their being worthless. Do you think you are going to go to heaven without ever earning the privilege of being there? You're not. And if you're not obedient enough, I can't take you where the saints are.
1: Now that is... Th- Generally, a mindset of a polygamous man. Generally, and I think that when we see how the they, most polygamous men treat their women, that we can see that that's the way. To, now, I'm not doing a blanket, uh, yeah. you know, a paintbrush yeah. of, of every polygamous man because I know there are some who try. They don't know any better that God isn't in it, and so they really do try. But for the most part, especially when you get in the leadership of these polygamy groups, that's exactly what they think of women a dime a dozen, be obedient, be subservient to the male. The man holds the priesthood. It's a patriarchal society. God is a man. God is a polygamist. And that's what he expects from you. But we hear all over the news, polygamy is okay, isn't it? As long as it's kept between consenting adults. Isn't polygamy okay? The thing
0: I think I've learned (coughs) with a lot of what you've shared with us over the years is that this, there's such a sexual uh, connotation to the whole society? It must be built on uh, a certain amount of uh, sex. I mean, it just the men are are. <laughs> I don't know. What well, that's to say. what polygamy exactly. is. Yeah, I mean, the, just an atmosphere of sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, a sex and children power, uh, and and the odd thing about it is, well, you get in section 132 and you read the entire. The entire section, and you understand very clearly that that's exactly what it is. The men get the the women, and mm-hmm. the, the woman even uh, tries to go out with another man, she will be destroyed. It's always mm-hmm. the female that's going to be destroyed, not the male. And they're but,
0: justifying <clears throat> it always in the in the name of God, and this is what He's God. required. And...
1: and that's why we bring God into our <laughs> show. So that's not the only reason, but that's one of the reasons yeah. we bring God into our discussion because they say God commanded it, and this is not the God of the Bible at all. Um, but again, we next show we're going to do part two of this, and we're going to quote some more, and some from men and boys that were yeah. raised in polygamy. Um, the, of course, there are some articles that talk about polygamy in magazines and newspapers and about the victims. But whenever you see the politicians and, and m- most of the news media, most of the time, it's pro-polygamy. They don't give the victims. Uh, An equal time together um, <clears throat> to talk about it. So next time we'll be talking about one. the victims. Okay. You know, there are various ways that God shows his love for us through the beauty of his creation, the warmth of the spring and summer sun, the water that that we need uh, he sends in the rain and the snow. But ultimately, God's love is demonstrated on the cross of Jesus Christ where his love is profoundly seen by his payment of our sin through the cruelty of that cross. There is one place, however, that God's love is never seen, and that is in polygamy. In fact, polygamy is never presented as a picture. Of God's love for us. Instead, it's always presented with the threats of God's wrath against the female, always with the fear of damnation if we don't surrender to this humiliating, abusive, and ungodly life. But the Bible tells us that God is love and His love is not evident in polygamy. Polygamy is not from God and it never was. Thank you for watching our show.